Hello and welcome to Red Kite. My name is Henna. I'm one of the participants in the writing and broadcasting groups. Red Kite is a brand new Friday afternoon show here on East Leeds FM, dedicated entirely to stories by, for and about young people. After months of lockdown, what does our city, our world, look like now? Expect new music and poetry, lively banter and witty exchanges, most of it created by young musicians, writers and broadcasters taking part in Chapel FM's summer project. Each Monday of the project, a party of intrepid people will go out wild walking in East Leeds with storyteller Matthew Bellwood. Then there are the workshops led by writers, musicians and broadcasters on the East Leeds FM team and, all being well, a broadcast on Friday afternoons, like this one now. These three shows in August are a bit of an experiment. What kind of programmes do people enjoy making and listening to? With more knowledge in the autumn, we'll be creating regular shows on Friday afternoons. In the meantime, listen out for untold stories, fresh points of view from the eastern edges of Leeds and beyond, new ways of seeing what and who we are. The Red Kite will speak. Red Kite, from Eads Leeds FM. going to hear um, some well, some sort of atmosphere from the first Monday walk we did, the first wild walk with Matthew Bellwood last Monday. So one of the things we've been, we've been uh, Matthew and I were looking at on the way through pra our practice walk was what's in the river and we were just, we saw all kinds of stuff in there and we weren't just imagining it. Um, anybody can anybody describe what they see in the in the in the stream? Some debris from the houses, I think. Some debris. Some debris, yeah. yeah, down from the houses. What's that down there? Anybody recognise it? Just looking at what's in the river, Tony. <laughs> just, yeah, just just asking people what they can see, because actually, just see if you can find, th th like, see or name three things in there, anybody. Um, bike, scooter, and rocks. Bike, scooter, rocks. Any other um, things that we can record people noticing in the stream? John, what can you see? It's like a Celtic stone there, but it's not, is it? I know, it looks you like can it. almost imagine it, can't you? Part of the grave. Think Celtic cross or yeah. something? Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Well, there's a couple of handlebars there. <laughs> handlebars. And I believe a big metal pole. Oh, yeah, like monster cam. Is that a crowbar? Oh, That's what I thought. Did it again? I was going to mention the bloody monster cam. Evil. <laughs> I thought we were friends. It's like the last paragraph of a short story that, you know, how did all these things get here? Yeah. Uh, teaspoon. Yes. Yes. What? Teaspoon. Why? Uh, teaspoon. Some, 
items are obviously connected. They're connected. You've got to connect them all, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Make a story out of them. One leaf. There's a blue pipe down there. It's that amazing tile that it is, isn't there? What's that? Yeah, we talked about that. It looked almost like a Celtic cross. Yeah, it does have a kind of Celtic kind of feel to it. It's probably some bit of someone's garden fence, isn't it? But it's uh... maybe it's just an Andy Goldsworthy sculpture. Absolutely. <laughs> Hello. They shut the road through the woods 70 years ago. Weather and rain have undone it again. And now you would never know there was once a road through the woods before they planted the trees. It is underneath the coppice and heath and the thin anemones. Only the keeper sees that where the ringed of broods and the badgers roll at ease, there was once a way through the woods. Yet if you enter the woods of a summer evening late, when the night air cools on the trout-ringed pools, where the otter whistles his mate, they fear not men in the woods, because they see so few. You will hear the beat of a horse's feet, and the swish of a skirt in the dew, steadily cantering through the misty solitudes, as though they perfectly knew the old lost road through the woods. But there is no road through the woods. And that's a minute. Minute silence in the woods. There we go. Were we mourning something there? Because I was laughing all the way. I don't think we were mourning anything. Just sort of. No, I just listening. Just listening really. it's what, what? When you want to hear them, so they don't do anything. And then you get loads of construction work. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, they're, cut, they're cutting down the forest. It's like it's like being in the Brazilian woods and hearing the uh, Bolsonaro with his. Johnny, what did you hear? Uh, three distinctive bird calls. Um, I think it was a wood pigeon. Uh, just, uh, I was trying to hear if they were responding to each other like the last time.
If you get it right, they'll answer you. See, we all just shut up and So, can I just, what, what did people notice when they were listening? Hear the wood pigeons, absolutely. And I think the birds were really performing for us there, actually. It was lovely. <laughs> there was some, some over here, some, some just above us. There was something flicking through the tree canopy above. I had, a, I had a bee or something just went right past my ear at one point. Anything else? Go on, Larry. Oh no, I did. I was. Just <laughs> <laughs> any, 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 any thoughts? Any questions? I noticed yes. the butterfly over there. Mm -hmm. Did you see what colour it was or anything? Sorry. No, but like I didn't realise it was there. Cause it wouldn't be if we weren't silent. Yeah, there's quite a lot of different butterflies. That meadowy area that we passed through, I think, is quite rich in, in butterflies and, and moths and things like that. And I guess I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's in the beck at this point. I know further down there's supposed to be crayfish, and wow. um, I, was, I remember saying his dad used to tell him about those uh, living in the beck. And I know that the, in the 70s there were some American signal crayfish were brought over for the restaurant industry, and they carry kind of fungus on their claws, and some of them escaped into the British waterways, and they've become a real problem now. And I think the native crayfish uh, are not immune to the fungus, and so they've nearly been wiped out. So. There's various places in Leeds where the, the water is clean and clear enough for them to live. One of which is Ascot Hill, which is the next bit of the walk. Um, I've not seen any in there, but I think if we got down amongst the rocks, we might find those in the water and they might be up here as well. So. What would you say we're on the edges of here? Can anyone describe what, we've, what we're seeing? I'd say it's not really an edge place, but you've still got like, the metal of this running through it. You know, You can still tell. That you're in the city, that you're in a public place, that you're not, you know, there's still a path running through it. Yeah. So for me, it isn't really on the edge. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Maybe that is the edge though that you're sitting mm, on. True, oh. possibly. We've kind of come a little bit further into the woods, but we're on the edge of the meadow as well, I guess. That there's a very clear shift in the way that the, the landscape is here when you come into this sort of canopied area. What I noticed walking along is how, how nice it was to be actually walking with a group of people and just chatting to people and going along. Going along at the same time, I thought, oh, I'm missing all this silence and all these wonderful pigeons. So it's nice we, 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 uh, we stopped. Brilliant. Shall we carry on with our...
Yeah, yeah. yeah it's rubbish. Tied under a table. Yeah. 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 Protecting, protecting, survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Drink your water. Sufficient to last. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. Melting your heart like a scoop of ice cream. This is Eastleigh's FM. Welcome back to East Leeds FM and to the Red Kite Show, our youth programme that we're putting out this summer, or which we're starting this summer and hopefully continuing into the autumn. Uh, my name's Katie and I'm the participation manager at East Leeds FM and uh, I have the pleasure of working with our new broadcasters group um, over the next few weeks. We've been together for about a week now, getting to know each other and trialling some stuff out and I have three of the team joining me today on the line. Um, I'm, I'm not sure where they're broadcasting from, but we're all in very different spaces. So I've got Seren. Are you there, Seren? Hello. Hi, Poppet. Um, we've got George. Are you there, George? Yep, I'm here. Hello. Jolly good. And Ibrahim we should have. Hello, everybody. Hello. Thanks for joining me. So this is our team for the first broadcast. Um, what we just heard was uh, audio from the, the walk, the creative writing walk um, that some of the team went on on Monday. Um, the, it was the sounds of the Wykebeck walk through East Leeds. And we've got two more walks coming up on the following two Mondays coming. So hopefully we'll be able to feed back a little bit of information from those. Seren, you went on the walk on Monday, didn't you? How was that? So, um, yeah, as you said, I went on the walk on Monday and it was really interesting. There's lots of nature sounds that you wouldn't normally hear and everything was so overgrown. And what was the what was the most interesting part of it for you? The most interesting part for me was probably try, trying to get through the, uh, the um, overgrown brambles and nettles that we had we had to go through, and possibly also trying to avoid the falling down trees. Was there anything Was there anything that you? Um created as part of the walk? Did you take any notes? Did you take anything away or create anything from it? So I wrote a few, few notes down and I also did a few recordings on the microphones behind the doors. Fabulous. Well, hopefully we'll, we'll get a chance to listen to those in the group and see if there's stuff we can edit and use. Um, so I wanted to just sort of get a bit of an idea and for the listeners out there to find out what was it about the summer broadcasting, um, coming and getting involved with Chapel FM's summer broadcasting course? What was it that made you interested to get involved? So I'm going to come to George first. Um, what really wanted me to get involved was, um, was I would like um, some experience in broadcasting because I feel like it would be um, a good thing to do as a career and... Um, and I just think it overall, it's better for like confidence and talking and skills just in general, really. And what do you feel like you've gotten out of it so far? What have you enjoyed most? Um, what I've enjoyed most is just, I think, meeting new people and knowing that um, 
you know, there's there's like quite a lot of people who want to, like who have similar passions to me and want to do broadcasting and like this, you know, as well. Brilliant. Um, Ibrahim, what was the reason for you getting involved with uh, with the course? Well, the reason I wanted to join is for experience. Um, I do enjoy the acting, the drama, the this talking side of the entertainment system, and um, I thought, why not try this? And because I'm still a young child and looking for the, for career options, so I'm taking different routes gathering experiences and then when I'm older to make a choice. Um, so far I have really enjoyed myself. Um, I'm broadcasting live to all these lovely people that are listening and yeah I'm just it's just for experience and to uh, have fun, have a laugh and uh, yeah that's why I'm here. Brilliant and do you know if you've got anybody, any family anywhere or friends that might be listening into you this, yep. this afternoon? Uh, shout out to my sister, my mum and my grandma for listening out there. Um, Hello, I guess. <laughs> and Seren, what was the reason for why you wanted to come on board? So I wanted to do this because it sounded like a really interesting thing to do and I was already quite interested in it. Fab, well it's brilliant to have you all on board with us. Um, as I mentioned early on, the, uh, the show that we're running is Red Kite and it's the first time that we've sort of broadcast with that title. Um, we've gotten some social media out there at the moment on our Facebook page. I'm sure there's stuff on our Instagram and Twitter pages. What we haven't got is like a finalised logo and an ident because what we'd like to do after these three live broadcasts is continue a regular young people show in the autumn that all of you newly trained broadcasters can run and you know sort out and do the running orders, all of what we've been doing over the last few days. Um, so anybody listening out there, we would love for you to have a go at sending in your ideas. The more the better, because it might be that we put different ideas from different people together in order to create our final logo and our final bit of ident for the Red Kite show. And that's Red Kite as in the bird, not necessarily somebody flying a red kite in the sky. Um, so I think, George, you've got some, uh, Insta um, sorry, some social media handles to read out for us. Uh, yep, so if you want to send in your designs, w the Facebook is um, at Chapel FM, all one word. Instagram is Chapel underscore FM and Twitter is Chapel FM, same as Facebook. So yeah, um, send, send us your ideas. Yeah, so um, coming up now is a recording from the first session that we did in our in our new group. And it's about how we dealt with lockdown. So let's have a listen now. Give us an idea about what your experience has been throughout this time in lockdown. So in lockdown, I, f I found it quite easy. Like It's not been difficult at all. I've just been doing schoolwork and um, I've been keeping in contact with my friends, which is not that hard uh, since we've all like got social media. We've all got consoles and stuff. So and I've been going out like social distance, hanging out with them and things like that. I think it's important that um, that you need to see your friends in lockdown because it's really affecting people's social lives and uh, which can have an effect on people, like men mentally as well and physically. You know, when lockdown first hit, you know, everybody was very much just at home. How long did you, were you able to stay in that situation before you did social distance sort of visits to friends or meet up on a park or whatever? I started meeting my friends in like in May, so it was like two months from March, just inside my house with my family members. 
How did your family at home respond to the idea of you wanting and needing to to get out to see your friends? Yeah, they were really um, like accepting of it. They were like, "You do need to go out to see your friends," because they they like were talking to me about the like the impacts of it. So that so they were like they were fine with me going out and seeing my friends and going on walks with them and stuff like that. And do you feel that you've been a responsible young adult as far as how you've kept your distance and, and how you've interacted with them? Yeah, I think I've been responsible because we're only meeting outside. We're not, go, not going inside because um, it's better to be outside. We've been staying the two metres um, the entire time and only doing like sensible activities like walking or just sitting in the park or something. Saren, what about you, Poppet? How's your, how did you feel when all of this first happened? Oh, at first I was like really interested and confusing, yeah. But um, I've just been taking time to like learn new things and like do stuff I wouldn't have normally time for. I've been learning to play a few things on the piano and I've just been baking a lot more. Anybody else been baking? Yeah. <laughs> we've, been, we've been having street bake-offs. <laughs> we're, all, we're all growing inch by inch, week by week. What's been the thing that you've baked that you're most proud of, Seren? Um, I've been mainly been doing like the little boxes you can get, but probably the most nice one was um triple chocolate brownies or something like that. That's great. I like the idea of seeing it as an opportunity to try new things. Uh, Paul, what about yourself? Again, I was trying to comfort people like my friends and stuff. Um, but now we're locked in. I can't see everyone and they only have like limited people I talk to so I'm okay but prefer not for this to happen obviously. Um, you were playing a support role for other people that you knew or you know? Yeah I was trying to at least. What sorts of things did you do to help to support? I was just trying to kind of like oh don't worry it'll be fine kind of denial. <laughs> Being the positive person in the situation. Yeah, try and do that at least. Now though, I've, I'm trying to learn more specifically about like Black Lives Matter, that whole movement that's become quite important to me. No, that's great to hear. I do have um, I do have a couple of young people who want to come in and join in with a discussion with you guys about Black Lives Matter. And the lady who's running the the sort of the the protest side of things here in Leeds has been in touch with us at the chapel. So hopefully we can we can get to speak to her at some point. Um, and it'd be a, an opportunity for you guys as journalists to come to her with any questions that you may have, or you know, start those sort of discussions. Hannah, how's it been for you? Where whereabouts are you in the world? <laughs> so I'm in Clackheaton. So it's kind of in the middle of. Bradford, Leeds, Halifax, Brighouse, it's like that little nugget in the middle. Um, so I, it's been all right for me. I was supposed to do my A-levels this year. They got cancelled. It was kind of like happening stages. I finished off the course. I was still doing, just finishing off the course because I really enjoyed um, doing one of my subjects. What were you studying in your A-levels? Um, so I, I was studying English literature, history and law. Uh, we'd, luckily, we'd finished law before lockdown happened, so I didn't have to worry about that. We were doing online Zoom lessons with uh, my English class, which was nice. And then um, I've just been doing a lot more writing, which 
wouldn't have happened until after I'd finished my exam. So it was really nice to kind of take that time out and really do a lot of writing. I have a blog, so I've been writing a lot on my blog, uh, which is nice um, to keep updating that. Um, yeah, it's it's been decent. I have lots of walks around where I live, which is really nice. How did you feel about not getting to do your exams? It was strange because I, I like to kind of work for my results. It felt like with the exams being cancelled, it's that kind of worry is the grades that I'll get on the results day. Have I worked for those results? Do I deserve those results? I was quite disappointed, but then relieved um, that I don't have to worry about all the stress that goes with exams. Yeah, I can imagine. Something that Henna said, which I'd like to ask of all of you, which I've found really interesting during lockdown, is this idea of people getting out and about partly because, you know, the government tells me I have to get out once a day. Secondly, because it's really important on a mental mental health side and just general fitness and for people to not be so feared that they're just staying in their houses. Have any of you discovered new areas, new places, new spaces in and around near where you are and where you've ventured out to? Near Fort Park in Crossgate, there's a farmland. And I went on my bicycle there. It's really large open space. It's really beautiful. I never knew it was there before. And there's like loads of trees running up to it. It's really cool. That's a new area. Is that on your doorstep near us, damn it? Uh, yeah, pretty much. It's like a five minute bike ride. Just moved house. It's been like a year since I moved house. So it's been nice to kind of explore on foot around our local area we're in it's quite a nice area that we live in basically if you walk five minutes you're in a field or in a farm or wherever so there's loads of public footpaths that you can go and do lots of walking so we've done a lot of different routes i haven't really explored any new areas because i do, I do um, my family tra- like makes me like likes me to go out a lot um to temple museum and everything so i've just been um going there a lot and I've been starting to go go on runs a bit more. So I've been running different routes. And it, my dad likes wildlife. So he's been, so I've been going with him. He likes pointing out uh, native species and like birds and stuff. So it's quite interesting to learn about that stuff that he's interested in as well. Uh, so it's not just all about me. And you enjoy doing things together with him? Yeah, I like doing stuff with my family as well as my friends. Fabulous. That's lovely to hear. So Ren, what about you? Have you discovered anywhere out and about during any walks? So I haven't really been going anywhere, like walking anywhere new, but it's like taking the time to just like see the different sides of like where we've been walking. So we've got like a nature trail near or it's in like you get to see like sort of the bushes and like the tree trees just starting to take over the path slowly. So I've seen like loads of Birds that I wouldn't have seen before just because like, I don't actually look up and look at them. Yo. Books him along. You know? I hit the top like I don't know what. 
Now 500's Play-Doh Guap And his man trying to take my spot When I'm sitting at home with writer's block But he's not an MC as eloquent as me Let me get that clear And my accountant said I can make a million and not make a track this year Now how's that for a turnover? I made a G-Lay and a holster Felt like I looked in the mirror When I seen the new JD poster And they sold out so fast They want me to sign contract Like they're O2 or Voda In exchange for exposure But still I don't feel any closer To the real answer Why did I want to be a gangster? When will I get rid of this pain? Feels like I'm in handcuffs. I wanna fly to the south of France. I wanna learn how to salsa dance. The chef come here, cause everybody in the restaurant kept watching, man. And I'm thinking, wait, are they watching, man? Did he think I'm already just secret fans? Blessed by God, fear no man. But my heart still beats when I see a police fan. I was hungover. In Phuket, I couldn't stay sober. I needed a break from pulling a straight face, I don't play poker I was out there looking at the pelicans, stroking the tigers and elephants MCs all fighting for relevance, but I'm on the next level of eloquence and where do I get it from? Did I get it from him? Could it be a white, could it be a black thing? Must be the reason I'm the captain, must be the reason I overlapped him Cause I'm dedicated, me I could have got relegated Imagine I would have hesitated, where would I be if I never made it? But I did, now I'm in a new seven bedroom um, hello, so uh, that was um, Bugsy Malone with Men 2. Uh, that piece of music is what I what I chose um, uh, to 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 see like how how that piece of music makes you feel, and uh, I, I I picked it because it makes you feel motivated and like fight through struggles, but also makes you want to better yourself and also grow as a person and try to figure out like who's going to be the best for you and like. Um, uh, not take anything for granted, really. That was nicely summed up there, George. You've got a real um, sort of passion and interest in rap music. Where did that start? Well, I think that started when, um, when like, I, I, I used to, like, um, like, my dad's a big influence in that, so he's always been playing, like, hip-hop music around the house and, like, in the car journeys and stuff. And... Um, I used to always just like listening. I used to play like old hip hop stuff, but then like when I like got a phone and started getting YouTube, I started like developing my own taste in like that kind in UK hip hop music, and that's that's really where it started, just from my dad and things like that. Have you got any favorite? You got any favorite artists? Uh, yeah, I've got I've got a few favorite artists. Um, I like this artist called Dave. He's very lyrical, and I like the person who just. Um, the track bugs him alone because I think he's like he delves into really like deep topics and is and is um and like I think he's one of the more real art artists out there. Do you know any uh, sort of Leeds or at least Yorkshire-based um, artists that you listen to? Um, I don't know many Yorkshire-based artists, but I do know um like uh. I do not like more up north artists because a lot of the UK rappers is from, um, is from like London and down south. But uh, like Manchester is 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 quite is getting a lot bigger now, and it's um I think it's really uh, making the north seem like it's 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 not like leagues behind uh, London and the south. Like like H, uh, Bugsy Malone and people like that. We'll have to do uh, well. You'll have to do some research because yeah. you've chosen rap as a as something that you want to do a feature on as part of the broadcasting course. So it'd be great yeah. if we could try and make some links with even some uh, some musicians that we know um, based in Leeds and potentially do an interview with them. Yeah, that so, sounds good. 
It does, doesn't it? And I think uh, there's there's lots there's lots of scope there for you to create something really fab. Um, Seren, um, before we have a chat with you about the feature and the work that you want to create as part of the uh, the broadcast course, you've chosen a piece of music. Would you like to introduce it? Sure. So I chose this song because I've got really good memories of it linked to festivals. And it is The Noisy Days Are Over by Field Music. Seren chose her piece of music, which links to um, having heard it at a music festival. Is that right? Yes. And when do you want to t- give us an idea of what it is that you want to focus on for your for your feature? Sure. So for my feature, I want to focus on how how festivals and in particular music festivals have been affected by the current ca- pandemic. Because obviously they can't go on and. But some of them have adapted to doing virtual festivals and uh, radio shows or previous sets they have there. What, so what's the festival that you went to when you, you heard this band, uh, Field Music? So I went to Deer Shed and I go to it every year. So how did you feel knowing that it wasn't going to happen this year? I felt really annoyed because I've obviously been ever since I was little but I knew it was inevitable really. Do you know if the festival put on anything else um, as, a, as a, a substitute for not having the live event? Yes so they did they did camping where they would would have had the festival on and they called it base camp. All oh, right okay and did you listen into any of that stuff? No, we couldn't because the radio they were playing there was only there. Right, okay. You got a question for the rest of the, the team, Seren? Yes, so has anyone ever been to any live music experiences? Um, yes, I have. 
I haven't been to loads, um, but my first ever gig slash concert was a, it was only a small band uh, in Cambridge. I went to see a small band called Tellyman. They were quite an indie kind of band uh, since that's uh, what kind of music my parents into, punk, rock, indie, a bit of that, a bit of everything. Uh, that was the first uh, concert I ever went to. I was supposed to go on one in September, um, but due to COVID-19 and the pan- pandemic, can't say that word, um, <laughs> it's been postponed until next year. So that was a Stormzy gig that I was meant to go to, but unfortunately, uh, I'm not allowed. Um, same as me, um, I've I've also been to a, uh, just I've just only been to one live gig and it was um it was a Crepton Conan gig earlier in the year, um, but uh, same as same as um, Ibrahim, uh, I was um I was supposed to go to the Stormzy gig in September, but also with my family we were we were planning on going to Dayshed Festival, the one that um, Saren likes as well. Oh, and and I might have been there as well, and we could have all. It's been strangers and never have met. <laughs> um, so you're so you're going to f- concentrate on on the music festival side of stuff for your um, feature, Saren. So it'd be great. I know that you've sent an email to um, to the the festival organisers to see if we can have a conversation um, about it. So we'll see if they get back to us. Um, and I think Ibrahim, you've got a music focus as well for your. Um, um, for your feature, do you want to explain what you're thinking about for yours? Yes, I, yes, I do. Um, my feature is about nostalgic music and how music through the ages has built up to the music we have nowadays. For example, the um, the hip hop kind of street uh, music originated from Chicago, and it's come up to all these um, all these different artists in all colours, all varieties, everything. Um, There's a lot of different songs out there and some of them we used to sing along as a kid and there's like, there's loads out there, loads. I can't name, I can name a couple off the top of my head. Uh, You have punk, you have rock, you have have rap, you have hip-hop, you have grime, you have, yeah, there's loads. Um, But my feature is mostly about nostalgic music and the influences that it's had on uh, the music today uh, just a quick question to you all just just curious but what has been your favorite year of music oh particular um, year or um like uh um particular year where there's maybe some of your favorite songs or uh, favorite artists or albums or whatever george um yeah I pre- I particularly like um I think uh I like 2018 because well I can't really remember the dates of many albums but I think that was the year that I started get like properly getting into it like and that was from school fr- with school as well but also th- there were just like good music go f- going from there like Storms you Storms was pretty big and Skepta and everything like that like yeah. they were that was a good year for them Saren, do you have a specific year that you can associate to enjoying music from? I don't really have a specific year, but I quite like the 70s and the 80s style music. Yeah. Very good. Uh, well, for me, it'll have to be 2016. 
because uh, then I was young and uh, we often we went quite a lot of places in the summer and there were some really good tunes that uh, I had an iPod back then and I had all these uh, old 2016 tunes on there so I recently found it and I was just me and my sister we were just listening to it and we were just having a really good time in the car we were just vibing to it and it was like it was it was good fun uh, because 2016 life was nice you could say and uh, it was just good year for music and uh, myself in general it's a nice thing about music though isn't it you it gets attached to all sorts of emotions yeah. and memories and you'll You've remember ch- that for the rest of your life, won't you? Yeah, definitely. It'll just take you back to somewhere where you were. Um, Ibrahim, you've chosen a track for us to play next, which I think probably has some nostalgia. Um, yes, uh, this is an 80s track by Public Enemy. It is called uh, Harder Than You Think, and it's a tune that my family and I used to sing along on a, on long car journeys. Um, yeah, here it is. Yo Chuck, what's the move, man? I was on my way up here to the studio, you know what I'm saying? And this brother stopped me and asked me, yo, what's up with that brother Chucky D? He sway nice. I said, yo, the brother don't sway nice. He knows he's nice, you know what I'm saying? So Chuck, I got a feeling you're turning into a public enemy, man. Now remember that line you was kicking to me on the way out to L.A. Lounge in Queens while we was in the car on our way to the shop? Well, yo, right now, kick the bass for them brothers and let them know what goes on. Rolling stones in the rap game, not bragging. Lips bigger than Jagger, not sagging. Sprawling backwards, I'ma leave it at that. Daddy got nothing to do with rap. Check the facts, expose those cats. Who poses heroes, take advantage of blacks. Your government's gangsters so cut the crap. A war going on, so where y'all at? Cause great responsibility after police But who's stopping you from killing me? His ass is fiasco's a loop by P.E. If it's I instead of we believe in TV Spreading rich and bitches This new thing about snitches Watch the masses move as the masses switches System distant but barely missed her My soul intention to save my brothers and sisters Get up! Hello, welcome back. You're currently listening to East Leeds FM. Uh, we are with um, jo- Jordan Goldfall. Um, how was your day today, Jordan? My day has been quite good, actually. Um, so I understand you're a participant from Chapel FM. What did you used to do there? I used to be part of Next Generation Theatre, but we're now called Puzzlegate Theatre because we're, we're a new company. And then we're part of Next Generation Broadcasting, and I've also run drama workshop games for it, the family funders. What was your favourite part of this um, whole like Chapel FM like? Was it the, the broadcasting thing or was it the, uh, the, the puzzle stuff and the drama games? It was the theatre because I'm, I'm a theatre kid at heart. I just did broadcasting to learn a new skill and also because there is a, at the time we were about to do a radio drama. So it's like, I think I might need a few more skills. I just thought I'd go for a couple of sessions, pick up some skills. Uh, I made some new friends and we made a, a good radio show and I really enjoyed that, so I came back. Did you have any, like, interviewees uh, while you were broadcasting? Like For my actual show, we didn't really do many interviews. We were mainly a pre-recorded talking about neurotypical news and the differences between 
neurotypical and neurodiverse people and how does how life is kind of different for us all but yet we all find common ground and we did plan to have interviews but we we couldn't fit into the time slot for what we wanted to do but for the second season of broadcasting we interviewed more people because we did like a show together um the entire group so we interviewed somebody from Leeds United I was running that show that week show so I was like in charge of making sure everyone got to where they needed to be on time all the mics were sorted make sure everyone knew what they needed to do uh, you were mentioning about neurodivergent and neurotypical could you just explain what that is the neurodiverse people are people like who have like autism ADHD ADD dyslexia that's what we call neurodiversity so how do you plan on using the broadcasting and everything you did at the chapel in the future will it help well, hopefully, probably won't make a big change, but not everything to needed is a big change. To change, they often say that to change the world in such a big way, only one thing needs to be changed. So basically, if we can just make somebody one one person's life better, then they can help everyone, another person, and so on and so forth. So that's all I can hope for is making one person's life better. Um, you, that that quote that you said um, is that is that like what you stand by? Is that what you believe? That is what I stand by. I'm very much of the belief of helping people. Sounds like a cliche, but it is pretty much all I've done all my life is help people. So I've been a carer. I've helped my sister with who's neurodiverse herself. I've just done loads of different things. And it, it's reflected in my career choices by the fact that, well, I was wanted to be a superhero. Thought that's not possible. So I decided to be a teacher. From that point, I've done everything I need to be a teacher. So I got my grades at school. I got my college qualification in early years of education. Not where I want to stay, but it's the nicest little springboard. And then September, depending on my grades this year that I get in next week, whether I go to do primary education degree at a university to become a primary school teacher. It's nice to know that you have good intentions at heart and you're focused on helping people. Everyone should um, be focused on helping people. I think in some some way, everyone is. They just don't always go to such extremes. I'll hand you over to Henna. Thank you, Paul. So we've heard quite a lot, which is really nice. And I uh, just wanted to pick up the fact that um, you want to go into the teaching profession. Well, we know that you're in Greece at the moment. So how do you think that what you're doing in Greece is going to help you get to your end goal? To be honest, I didn't really think about that when I took the job. Um, I just thought, what a great experience to kind of better myself as a person, not just my career. But then since I've got here, I've kind of realised that this will be good for my career and working towards that because it's a great experience in a different kind of setting, which is good because a teaching degree can let you work in any country of the world. But it's not as much as working towards the end goal of your career is always important. It should not be the be-all or end-all of your personality. It should not be the core. It should be a reflection, but it shouldn't be the core. So, like, I was thinking about how I can improve myself as Jordan Goldfarb person instead of Jordan Goldfarb future teacher. And if COVID-19 didn't happen, then would you still be in grief now? Probably not, no, because I, I would have done a different experience. I would have been in Germany for two weeks, two months ago, as part of a college placement trip. Obviously, that got cancelled, but I still wanted an experience. So, COVID's come with a few blessings. 
It has indeed. There is a blessing in disguise sometimes. What's your typical day in Greece at the moment? Oh, wake up at about oh, 6.45, get ready out of the door by 7.20, get to work, put on my visor, fill up my bag, so get my antibacterial gel, my antibacterial wipes, my pen, my clipboard, get everything all ready in my bag, go into the room, set everything up after a quick clean, make sure everything's ready and just get ready to greet the children to give them the best day at club they can do. Having to put all these measures in place, is that sometimes harder to give the children a more hands-on practical approach, which you would kind of like the mm. children to kind of interact more and do lots of creative things together? How no, because the children are still allowed to hug each other and go near each other because they are in a bubble. So there's right. obviously, you can't have children and not have the practitioners be able to go near them. They need help going to the toilet. They need nappy changing. They're, they're sick. But obviously, if I can't go to, within two metres of them, it's impossible for these things to be done. So what you've got is you've got a bubble system. So, for example, I'm working in toddler club this week, which means I'm not allowed to go into like preschool. I'm not allowed to go into kids. I'm not allowed to go into juniors or indies, which are like the teenagers. I've got to stay with my toddlers. And within that bubble, you don't need to social distance. If you do get your collegiate degree to study private education with the impacts of COVID, how do you think that will work out? It'll make it a very stressful placement, but it'll be a very good experience because it'll be a lot easier in some aspects. But we instead of going around classes every day like we normally would, we'd be in one class for a while, which gives us a good chance to get a really good detailed idea of what being a teacher means. If you can survive the training during COVID, you'll survive life as a teacher. Exactly, yeah. Well, we, we wish you all the best of luck and I'm just going to pass it on to Seren. To yes, right. so thank you for joining us, Jordan. We hope you have a good day. You too. So that was Jordan Goldthorpe, who is is... I was going to say was, but he know he's just taken a little bit of a sabbatical. Um, he is one of our next-gen broadcasters, but he's over in Greece at the moment, so it was great. He came to join us on Wednesday, I think it was. Is that right, Seren? Yes, I think it was. And he had uh, quite a bit to say about his busy schedule over there, um, but it was really lovely for him to give the time to talk to you guys. How did you find interviewing him? So, Seren and George... Um, I found I found interviewing it was um, I think it was good experience, but it was, it was also fun like like knowing what he was like and learning really who he is because I've never met him before, and it was good to see like what he's doing. He seems like a good person. But also, it was a good experience, um, just in general for interviewing people, and it will help with what we're doing now. Ibrahim, that was the first time that you've listened to that interview. You unfortunately you weren't able to join us on Wednesday, um, and we will we will get you up to speed with the sort of interview insider stuff. Was there anything that you picked up of interest out of uh, Jordan's interview? Well, uh, from what I've heard, he sounds like a very busy man, and it's good that he's helping uh, children, and um, that puts a smile on my face really to see that there's people out there helping young uh, young children. Uh, potentially ill children and it, it does bring a smile to my face because uh, we need more people like that in the world <laughs> we need more jordans he will love yep. hearing that 
Um, so this is, we're just about to come to the end of our first live broadcasting experience. Um, how's it been for everybody? Are you still all right? Are your palms still sweaty? Yes. Uh, I can safely say that it was a bit nerve wracking, but, um, I mean, I've got through it and I'm, I'm happy. I'm uh, confident and I'm, I'm looking forward to next week. Brilliant. Safe to say. Yeah. George? Uh, yeah, it was good. Uh, I was a bit nervous at the start, but my nerves like settled after like uh, after I got talking and ju- just like I think it helped with the like adrenaline and flow of everything. But yeah, it was it's a good experience, good fun, and uh, yeah, like like Abraham, um, I, I think it'll be good to come back next week. Brilliant. Build on those skills that you started, Saren, How have you found it? I found it really, really amazing. It's been amazing experience and I just can't wait to do it again. So uh, that's fabulous to hear. I wasn't expecting amazing, but that's really good. Um, I just would like to say at this point, I think you've all done really well at being involved for the first week. You know, you've, we've literally had a, a few sessions, we've, but we've run three interviews. Um, we've dis- explored what we're going to be doing for our features. So hopefully we'll have those as finished pieces to go out on the final week. Um, And we've got many more people to interview coming up. Um, This afternoon, we went through the whole, well, starting this morning, we went through the whole running order side of things. So that was a new experience for you all. How how have you found the kind of the construction of the production of a show um, as opposed to the presenting side? Well, when you're listening to a radio station, you don't really, you just, you listen, you don't really expect there to be a lot behind the scenes. But actually, the amount of time and effort and planning that goes into it is actually quite a lot. So, it is it is nice to take part in that and help with the construction of this, uh, this um, the Red Kite programme. And I'm looking forward to doing future se- sessions and um, help expand my knowledge on the broadcasting scene. <laughs> Brilliant. Saren? I found it really interesting looking at the running order and seeing how all that's put together because I've never really thought about it before. There's quite a lot to it, isn't there? Yeah, and, definitely. Um, especially now understanding um, all of the different elements. And for Elliot, who, uh, thanks Elliot, is overseeing our tech and will be for the next couple of weeks, um, all of the different things that he's having to juggle as we're going through the show. So it's good for you guys to see that. Any final words from you, George? Um, yeah, I just want to say how much like, uh, how much like uh, I underestimated um, that radio people have to go through, and I was like, uh, it's like I'm, I'm like, um, I won't say I'm proud, but like I'm quite like shocked by how much they do, and like I think they should get appreciated more. <laughs> Well, so hence the BBC have just gone and laid off a whole load of radio broadcasters in Leeds because uh, there, there isn't really the funding for it at the moment but we can find lots of ways for you guys to broadcast with us going forward um, so I'm going to hand over to Ibrahim who's going to finish off the show for us and introduce what's coming up next and the final feature uh, well uh, everyone thank you very much for watching the next gen broadcasters um, Coming up next, we have Sean with the youth music group. Um, but for now, we will leave you with an interview that we did on Wednesday evening. Again, if you want to follow the socials, it is George has said it, and I'm um, sure he may repeat it. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's yeah. Do you want me to repeat it? Um, it's Chapel FM on Facebook and Twitter, 
on Instagram it's chapel underscore FM. Anyways, uh, thank you very much for everything. I hope you have a lovely day and uh, yeah, see ya. Hello, I'm Saren and I'm with the Next Gen Broadcasting team from Chapel FM and we're interviewing Francesco Woods from the Healthy Holiday Funds. So can you tell us exactly what Healthy Holidays is? Hi everyone, yes, happy to do that. So I'm funded by Leeds Community Foundation, which is a charity here in Leeds. And what they're doing is supporting uh, lots of children and their families all through the summer holidays with the Healthy Holidays programme. So what that is, is it's to tackle three things really, which is holiday hunger, holiday isolation and holiday inactivity. So we know that lots of children in Leeds go hungry uh, during the school holidays and their parents will skip meals so that they can eat over the, the holidays. In terms of holiday activity, a lot of these families don't have money for activities, fun things to do. And so the fact that the children will often just be stu stuck at home all holidays, which is where the holiday isolation comes in. So it's a really important programme because it's about keeping uh, some of the children most vulnerable and most in need in Leeds supported, connective, happy, active and fed over the holidays. We've been lucky enough, Leeds Community Foundation has received funding from Leeds City Council, so we've been running it um, in the run-up to summer and now money from the Department for Education to deliver over the summer. How long has the holiday fund been going on? Well, interestingly enough, this is our third year of running the programme. And this year, because of COVID and because of the lockdown, we actually uh, started delivering activities in April. But the Healthy Holidays Summer programme, this is the third year we've been running it over the summer holidays. What activities do you actually do for the children? Okay, so probably what I should have made clear is I don't run any of it and neither does Leeds Community Foundation. We fund local organisations and local community groups to do it. Um, and over the summer, we're funding 30 community groups, 30 charity groups, 14 schools and school partnerships and seven of the city council um, community hubs that are uh, scattered around the city. So that means we're funding 51 projects and they're delivering a whole range of different activities. So they're delivering food, which can be everything from a packed lunch to a food parcel for the family, including ingredients that they can then cook up into meals during the week. And the activities really range as well. So some of that is sport and physical activity and dance. Some of that is cookery, some is arts and craft, quizzes, games and puzzles, and even some gardening activity, whether they're doing that outdoors or indoors, uh, and some digital creative uh, workshops as well. As you can imagine, what's different this year, because of COVID and the lockdown, they can't get loads and loads of kids together to deliver that. So they're either doing that in safe bubbles, outdoors or, or at their um, facilities, or they're doing it online, a bit like some of the Zoom stuff uh, that you guys will have been involved in. Or they're dropping off activity packs on people's doorsteps, on families' doorsteps, so that there's activities that they can do as a family. So how did you first start Healthy Holidays? That's a really interesting question. Well, here in Leeds, we know that we've got a problem with uh, child poverty, as lots of places do all around the country. Here in Leeds, we've got over 33,000 children who are living in poverty. So the council and charitable partners like Leeds Community Foundation recognised that with that sort of level of uh, number of children living in poverty, they really wanted 
to make sure they were supporting them, uh, particularly in the holidays. So they got together and discussed what one of the ways they could do do that. And out of that, the health the healthy holidays program was developed. What have been the uh, benefits that you've seen from the healthy holidays? Oh, that's a, that's another interesting one. There have been so many. So firstly, we know that it means that children that wouldn't get access either to food um, or to healthy meals have now got access to uh, healthy, nutritious, tasty meals. So that's probably one of the most important ones, but also that they are getting together with other children, other families and other groups over the summer, getting to do things that they wouldn't otherwise do. We had a lot of feedback in the first two years from families saying, my kids are either stuck indoors because I'm too, it's not safe for me to let them out and they get really bored or they're out and about and I'm worried because it's not safe. So it's providing safe, but fun and really interesting activities for them to do. So I think those are probably two of the most important uh, benefits. Who oversees the, the food, the food and like, and like, where do you get the food from? I'm so glad you asked that because I hadn't mentioned our food partners. So we're really lucky. We work with two um, food charities, um, one of which you've probably heard of, uh, Fair Share Yorkshire. Um, which is part of the bigger fair share uh, network that Marcus Rashford um, has been fundraising for. And the other is a Leeds charity called Rethink Food. And what they both do is they will work with food suppliers and supermarkets to collect what they call intercepted food. So this is food that um, is perfectly fine, but because it can't be sold because there's too much of it or it's getting towards the end of its shelf life, it ends up in landfill. So that's a really terrible waste given how many uh, people we have who are having trouble getting, getting food in the first place. So they provide that food to our projects, which means that the rest of our money can go a lot further because we don't have, the projects don't have to buy food in themselves. And lots of our community groups also have great relationships with their local supermarkets and grocery stores who will then provide food for them at the end of the day if it's if it's food that they've not been able to sell. Where do you foresee um, Healthy Holidays growing? As you said, it's only been its third year. So what are your hopes to expand and kind of reach more uh, young children and families who are struggling? Oh, that's interesting because we know the numbers are growing in terms of the demand out there. So we need to try and keep pace with that. So I guess part of it is about making sure that we can do enough fundraising and get enough donations and support volunteers coming in uh, to help to make sure that we can grow it. We're already developing it in different ways. So this year, Leeds City Council and Leeds Community Foundation have provided funding to a local group called Zero Waste Leeds. Um, and they have set up a, a Leeds school uniform exchange. Can you guess how much the average cost per child is for uh, school uniforms? I'd say about around 100, 200 pounds. Yeah. George and Seren, higher or lower? They're probably around the same tenors, guess. I'd probably say lower because like some schools might be cheaper and like they might have to buy as many school uniforms. Okay, so the average cost for a school uniform is over 300 pounds per child which is a lot of money. And especially when lots of kids grow out of that, it's not that it's falling to pieces. So Zero Waste Leads have set up a school uniform exchange. Um, it's up on Facebook. We can send you the links to it. 
for you to share, share with your parents as well as share with um, other people. Uh, so that's all about encouraging people to donate uniform, collect uniform from those places so we can make sure not just that you're making your money go further and you're not buying uh, expensive uniform, you don't have to, but that also it's not ending up um, unused and um, uh, in landfill. So that's one of the, the other ways that we're growing. But we'd love to hear your ideas on how else can we grow it. What problems have COVID-19 brought to Healthy Holidays and what have you had to face and overcome? So many problems. So if you can, if you can imagine Healthy Holidays operates during the school holidays and it relies on getting loads and loads of kids together and doing lots of fun social activities, cooking and meals together. And suddenly we can't do that anymore because of the, the social distancing and all of the restrictions. So the projects have had to think really carefully about how they can deliver, but they've had to respond really, really fast. So we went into lockdown in March and we worked with those projects. Lots of them were then up and running in April to be able to deliver to children and young people in, in lockdown, which is a really quick turnaround to change your plans, get something up and running. Your staff suddenly aren't all based together. You can't work with them as a team. Everyone's working from home. So uh, a lot of activities moved online or into doorstep uh, activity packs. And they had to change the way they did food as well, because you can't dole it out from the kitchens anymore or get the kids involved, sadly. So lots and lots of changes. I want to say because with all these like restrictions and stuff, how has like um, Zoom and video calls played a part in everything? I mean, it's been a real, uh, a real blessing because uh, without this, there'd be a lot of the sort of social uh, uh, contact that would be a lot more difficult to do. So um, we've had a lot of our groups that whether they're organising things or whether they're providing activities have used things like Zoom, have used um, Facebook live streaming for their activities. Um, and have moved some of their other sort of communication uh, online. So that's been really uh, important. I guess the downside has been that some of the children and families we're supporting don't have uh, computers or laptops at home or don't have internet, uh, internet access or data access. In Leeds, 50,000 adults aren't online. That should give you an indication of quite how difficult it will be for some of these children to access uh, amazing online services that are being, uh, being delivered out there. On one hand, it's important, but on the other, we've got to think about what we can do in other ways because we know not everyone's got access to a computer. Sorry, Hannah. Yeah, sorry. No, I was just going to ask, how have you managed to overcome that problem? And uh, what has been the most kind of used thing that you've done to tackle the issue? of families who don't have access to internet. So what we've done there is we've really encouraged a lot of our projects to think about what could you drop off at the doorstep that they could then, uh, the families could then do, the children could then do. So we call those our offline um, activities. Projects have put together activity packs with arts and crafts, cookery, gardening, things that you can do for gardening activities, loads of sports activities in there as well for kids to do. Lots of our kids live in high rises where during lockdown, they didn't really have garden space that they could go into. For some of them, it really needed to be things they could do indoors. And on a day like today, looking out my window with all that horrible rain, you want to make sure there's activities as well. You can, you can do puzzles and games and uh, arts and crafts that you can do indoor. So that was really important for us. And then another thing we're doing is working with the council to extend their tablet lending 
uh, scheme. So there's just under 100 tablets we've been able to loan out to children taking part in healthy holidays projects uh, with a data allowance. So despite all these hardships, what do you think is the most rewarding part of your job? Oh, goodness. Um, definitely seeing the, um, the activities that children and young people are taking part in and talking to the project staff and volunteers to see uh, the, the difference it's making. So um, we're really lucky because a lot of our projects are excellent on social media and they're constantly um, sharing pictures and stories of what children and their families are doing with healthy holidays and the difference it's making. So it's that difference that we make um, that definitely makes it worthwhile because it is hard work, you're right, and it can be really difficult to do, but it's just so rewarding work to see that end result. For those of us um, who are listening and who are obviously here as well, if we wanted to volunteer and help out with healthy holidays, how would we be able to help out and help spread the word and join the cause to reach more people? Oh, that's a really good question. And that's one I should have come better prepared for. I would suggest if you go online and have a look at the, um, the Healthy Holidays Leads hashtag, you can see some of the organisations that are involved. You can get in touch with local organisations to see how you can help. So thank you, Francesca, and explaining about Healthy Holidays. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks very much for giving me an opportunity to.